Part One of Chapter Eight of The Abandoned Room. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Abandoned Room by Wadsworth Camp. Chapter 8, Section 1 What Happened at the Grave Hello, Katie. Hello, Bobby. You've shown your face at last. I hope you've come sober. The thin, quarrelsome voice of Silas Blackburn echoed in the moldy court. The stout, bent figure in the candlelight studied them suspiciously. Catherine clung to Bobby trembling startled beyond speech by the apparition they both stared at the gray face at the thick figure which three days after death they had seen buried that noon in the overgrown cemetery bobby recalled how dr groom had reminded him that an activity like this might emerge from such places he had suggested that the condition of the family burial ground might be an inspiration to such strains. Yet why should the spirit of Silas Blackburn have escaped? Why should it have returned forthwith to the Cedars, unless to face his grandson as his murderer? Afterwards, Bobby experienced no shame for these reflections. The encounter was a fitting sequel to the moment in the dark room when he had felt Howells move beneath his hand. He had a fleeting faith that the void between the living and the dead had indeed been bridged. Then he wondered that the familiar figure failed to disintegrate, and he noticed smoke curling from the blackened briar pipe. He caught its pungent aroma in the damp air of the court. Moreover, Silas Blackburn had spoken, challenging him as usual with a sneer. Let us go past, Catherine whispered. But Silas Blackburn stepped out, blocking their way. He spoke again. His whining accents held a reproach. What's the matter with you two? You might have seen a ghost. Or maybe you're sorry to have me back. Didn't you wonder where I was, Katie? Reckon you hoped I was dead, Bobby. Bobby answered. He had a fancy of addressing emptiness. Why have you come? That is what you are to us, dead. Silas Blackburn chuckled. He took the pipe from his mouth and tapped the tobacco down with a knotted forefinger. I'll show you how dead I am. Trying to be funny, ain't you? I'll make you laugh on the wrong side of your face. It's cold here. I'm going in. The same voice, the same manner. Yet his presence denied that great fact which during three days had been impressed upon them with a growing fear. The old man jerked his thumb toward the dimly lighted windows of the wing. What you got the old room lighted up for? What's going on there? I tried to sleep there the other night. Uncle! Catherine sprang forward. She stretched out her hand to him with a reluctance as pronounced as Graham's when he had touched Howell's body. Her fingers brushed his hand. 
Her shoulders drooped. She clung to his arm. To Bobby this resolution was more of a shock, less to be explained than his first assurance of an immaterial visitor. What did it mean to him? Was it an impossible assurance of safety? The old man patted Catherine's shoulder. Why, what are you crying for, Katie? Always seems something to scare you lately. He jerked his thumb again toward the lighted windows. You ain't told me yet what's going on in the old room. Bobby's laugh was dazed, questioning. They're trying to account for your murder there. His grandfather looked at him with blank amazement. You out of your head? No, Catherine cried. We saw you lying there, cold and still. I, I found you. You've not forgotten, Catherine, Bobby said breathlessly, that he moved afterward. Silas Blackburn took his hand from Catherine's shoulder. Trying to scare me? What's the matter with you? Some scheme to get my money? You slept in the old room the other night, Bobby asked helplessly. No, I didn't sleep there, his grandfather whined. I went in and laid down, but I didn't sleep. I defy anybody to sleep in that room. What are you talking about? It's cold here. This court was always damp. I want to go in. Is there a fire in the hall? We'll light one while you tell me what's ailing you. He turned and grasped the doorknob. They followed him into the hall shaking the snow from their coats. Paredes sat alone by the fire, languidly engaged in the solitaire which exerted so potent a fascination for him. He didn't turn at their entrance. It wasn't until Bobby called out that he moved. Carlos! Bobby's tone must have suggested the abnormal, for Paredes sprang to his feet, knocking over the table. The cards fell lightly to the floor, straying as far as the hearth. His hands caught at the back of his chair. He remained in an awkward position, rigid, white-faced, staring at the newcomer. I told you all, he whispered, that the court was full of ghosts. Silas Blackburn walked to the fire and stood with his back to the smoldering logs, in this light he had the pallor of death the lack of color bobby remembered beneath the glass of the coffin the old man always so intolerant and authoritative was no longer sure of himself why do you talk about ghosts he whined i-i wish i hadn't waked up paredes sat back in his chair waked up he echoed in an awestruck voice Bobby took a trivial interest, as one will turn to small things during the most vital moments, in the reflection that twice within twenty-four hours the Panamanian had been startled from his cold reserve. "'Waked up?' Paredes repeated. His voice rose. "'At what time do you remember the time?' "'Not exactly. Sometime afternoon.' Bobby guessed the object of Paredes' question. He knew it had been about noon when they had seen the coffin covered in the restless, wind-swept cemetery. Paredes hurried on. How long have you been asleep? What makes you ask that? The other whined. 
I don't know. It was a long time. Blackburn's voice rose complainingly. How did you guess that? I never slept so. I dozed nearly three days, but I'm tired now. Tired as if I hadn't slept at all. Paredes made a gesture of surrender. Bobby struggled against the purpose of the man's questions, against the suggestion of his grandfather's unexpected answers. Your idea is madness, Carlos, he whispered. This house is filled with it, Paredes said. I wish Groom were here. Groom ought to be here. He's coming back, Bobby told him. He shouldn't be long now. He said before dinner time. Paredes stirred. I wish he would hurry. The Panamanian said nothing more, as if he realized the futility of pressing the matter before Dr. Groom should return. Necessary questions surged in Bobby's brain. The two that Paredes had put, however, disturbed his logic. Catherine, who hadn't spoken since entering, kept her eyes fixed on her uncle. Her lips were slightly parted. She had the appearance of one afraid to break a silence, covering impossible doubts. Bobby called on his reason. His grandfather stood before him in flesh, with the old man, in spite of Paredes' ghastly hint, probably lay the solution of the entire mystery and his own safety. He was about to speak when he heard footsteps in the upper hall. His grandfather glanced inquiringly through the stairwell, asking, Who's that up there? The sharp tone confessed that fear of the cedars was active in the warped brain. The district attorney, Bobby answered, a detective, probably Hartley Graham. What are they doing here? He indicated Paredes. What's this fellow doing here? I never liked him. Catherine answered. They've all come because I thought I saw you dead, lying in the old room. We all saw, Bobby cried angrily, and Paredes nodded. Blackburn shrank away from them. The three men descended the stairs. Halfway down, they stopped. Who is that? Robinson cried. Graham's face whitened. He braced himself against the banister. Next time, Mr. District Attorney, Paredes said, you'll believe me when I say the court is full of ghosts. He walked in from the court. I tell you, they found him in the court. Silas Blackburn's voice rose, shrill and angry. What's the matter with you all? Why do you talk of ghosts and my being dead? Haven't I a right to come into my own house? You all act as if you were afraid of me. Paredes' questions had clearly added to the uncertainty of his manner. Catherine spoke softly. We are afraid. The others came down. Robinson walked close to Silas Blackburn and for some time gazed at the gray face. Yes, he said, you are Silas Blackburn. You came to my office in Smithtown the other day and asked for a detective because you were afraid of something out here. There's no question, Graham cried. Of course it is, Mr. Blackburn. Yet it couldn't be. What are you all talking about? Why are the police in my house? Why do you act like fools and say I was dead? They gathered in a group at some distance from him. 
They unconsciously ignored this central figure as if he were, in fact, a ghost. Bobby and Catherine told how they had found the old man, a black shadow against the wall of the wing. Paredes repeated the questions he had asked and their strange answers. Afterwards, Robinson turned to Silas Blackburn, who waited, trembling. Then you did go to the old room to sleep. You lay down on the bed, but you say you didn't stay. You must tell us why not, and how you got out, and where you've been during this prolonged sleep. I want everything that happened from the moment you entered the old bedroom until you wakened. That's simple, Silas Blackburn mouthed. I went there along about ten o'clock. Wasn't it, Katie? Nearly half past, she said, and you frightened me. You must tell us why he went, why he was afraid to sleep in his own room, Graham began. Robinson held up his hand. One question at a time, Mr. Graham. The important thing now is to learn what happened in the room. You're not forgetting Howells, are you? Silas Blackburn glanced at the floor. He moved his feet restlessly. He fumbled in his pocket for some loose tobacco. With shaking fingers, he refilled his pipe. Except for Bobby and Catherine, he quavered. You don't know what that room means to Blackburns, and they only know by hearsay, because I've seen it was kept closed. Don't see how I'm going to tell you. You needn't hesitate, Robinson encouraged him. We've all experienced something of the peculiarities of the Cedars. Your return alone is enough to keep us from laughter. All right, the old man stumbled on. I was raised on stories of that room. Even before my father shot himself there, later on I saw Catherine's father die in the big bed, and after that I never cared to go near the place unless I had to. The other night... When I made up my mind to sleep there, I tried to tell myself all this talk was Tommy rot. I tried to make myself believe I could sleep as comfortably in that bed as anywhere. So I went in and locked the door and raised the window and laid down. You're sure you locked the door? Robinson asked. Yes, I remember turning the key in both doors because I didn't want anything bothering me from the outside. They all looked at each other, unable to forecast anything of Blackburn's experience. For both doors had been locked when the body had been found. Granted life, how would it have been possible for Silas Blackburn to have left the room to commence his period of drowsiness? An explanation of that should also unveil the criminal's route in and out. The tensity of the little group increased, but no one interposed the obvious questions. Robinson was right. It would be quicker to let the protagonist of this unbelievable adventure recite its details in his own fashion. Paredes ran his slender fingers gropingly over the faces of several of the cards he had picked up. When I got in bed, Silas Blackburn continued, I thought I'd let the candle burn for company's sake, 
but there was a wind and it came in the open window and it made the queerest black shadows dance all over the walls until i couldn't stand it a minute longer i blew the candle out and lay back in the dark he drew harshly on his cold pipe he looked at it with an air of surprise and slipped it in his pocket it was the funniest darkness i didn't like it you put your hand out and close your fingers as if you could feel it but it wasn't all black either some moonlight came in with the wind between the curtains it wasn't exactly yellow and it wasn't white after a little while it seemed alive and i wouldn't look at it any more the only way i could stop myself was to shut my eyes and that was worse for it made me recollect my father the way i saw him lying there when i was a boy god grant none of you will ever have to see anything like that then i seemed to see katie's father too and i remember his screams the room got thick with things like that with those two and with a lot of others come out of the pictures and the stories i've heard about my family his experience when he had gone to the room to take the evidence from howells's body became active in bobby's memory there i lay with my eyes shut silas blackburn went on in his strange inquiring voice and yet i seemed to see those dead people all around me and i thought they were in pain again and were mad at me because i didn't do anything i guess maybe i must have been dozing a little for i thought he broke off he raised his hand slowly and pointed in the direction of the overgrown cemetery where they had seen his coffin covered that noon his voice was lower and harsher when he continued i i thought i heard them say that things were all broken out there and and awful so awful they couldn't stay his voice became defiant i ain't going to tell you what i dreamed it was too horrible but i made up my mind i would do what i could if i ever escaped from that room i i was afraid they'd take me back with them underneath those broken stones and you you stand there trying to tell me that they did he paused again looking around with a more defiant glare in his bloodshot eyes he appeared to be surprised not to find them laughing at him what's the matter with you all he cried why ain't you making me out a fool you've seen something in that room too go on robinson urged what happened then what did you do blackburn's voice resumed its throaty monotone as he spoke he glanced about slyly suspecting perhaps the watchfulness of the fancies that had intimidated him i realized i had to get out if they would let me so i left the bed i went he ceased intimating that he had told everything i know robinson said but tell us how you got out of the room for when you when the murder was discovered both doors were locked on the inside and you know how impossible the windows are i tell you katherine said hysterically it was his body in the bed bobby knew her assurance was justified but he motioned her to silence let him answer robinson said 
Silas Blackburn ran his knotted fingers through his hair. He shook his head doubtfully. That's what I don't understand myself. That's what's been worrying me while these young ones have been talking as if I was dead and buried. I recollect telling myself I must go. I seem to remember leaving the bed all right, but I don't seem to remember walking on the floor or going through the door. You're sure the doors were locked? No doubt about that, Rawlins said. Seems to me, Blackburn went on, that I was in the private staircase. But did I walk downstairs? First thing I see clearly is the road through the woods not far from the station. What did you wear? Robinson asked. I had my trousers and jacket on under my dressing gown, the old man answered, because I knew the bed wasn't made up. That's what I wore except for the dressing gown. I reckon I must have left that in the room. I wouldn't have gone back there for anything. My mind was full of those angry people. I wanted to get as far away from the Cedars as possible. I knew the last train from New York would be along about three o'clock, so I thought I'd go on into Smithtown and in the morning see this detective I've been talking to. I went to Robert Waters' house. I've known him for a long time. I guess you know who he is. He's such a bookworm I figured he might be up and he wouldn't ask a lot of silly questions, being selfish like most people that live all the time with books. He came to the door and I told him I wanted to spend the night. He offered to shake hands. That's funny too. I didn't feel like shaking hands with anybody. I recollect that because I felt sort of queer ever since going in the old room, and something told me I'd better not shake hands. Paredes looked up, wide-eyed. The card slipped from his fragile, pointed fingers. Do you realize, Mr. District Attorney, what this man is saying? But Robinson motioned him to silence. Let him go on. That's all, Blackburn answered except this long sleep I can't make out. Old Waters didn't get mad at my not shaking hands. He was too tied up in some book, I guess. I told him I was sleepy and didn't want to be bothered, and he nodded to the spare room off the main hall, and I tumbled into bed and was off almost before I knew it. Peretti sprang to his feet and commenced to walk about the hall. Tell us, he said, when you first woke up. I guess it was late the next afternoon, Silas Blackburn quavered, fumbling with his pipe again. But it was only for a minute. Paretti stopped in front of Robinson. When he turned, you see? It was Waters knocking on the door, Blackburn went on. I guess he wanted to know what was the matter, and he talked about some food. But I didn't want to be bothered, so I called to him through the door to go away, and turned over and went to sleep again. He turned over and went to sleep again, Catherine said, breathlessly, and it was about that time that I heard the turning in the old bedroom. Catherine, Graham called. What are you talking about? What are you thinking about? What else is there? She asked. She's thinking about the truth, Peretti said tensely. I've always heard of such things. So have you. You've read of them, if you read at all. India is full of it. It goes back to ancient Egypt. 
the same person simultaneously in two places the astral body whatever you choose to call it it's the projection of one's self whether consciously or unconsciously perhaps the projection of something that retains reason after an apparent death you heard him he didn't seem to walk he doesn't remember leaving the room which was locked on the inside his descent of the stairs was without motion as we know it he had gone some distance before his mind consciously directed the movements of this active image of silas blackburn while the double from which it had sprung lay apparently dead in the old room you notice he shrank from shaking hands and he slept until we hid away the shell what disintegration and coming together again has taken place since we buried that shell in the old graveyard if his friend had shaken hands with him would he have grasped emptiness did his normal self come back to him when the shell was put from our sight and he awakened these are some of the questions we must answer you've a fine imagination mr paredes robinson said dryly his fat face nevertheless was bewildered and in the eyes surrounded by puffy flesh smouldered a profound uncertainty i wish groom were here paredes was saying he would agree with me he would know more about it than i End of chapter 8 Section 1 Of The Abandoned Room